So hi, Martin Norbury here, author of I Don't Work Fridays, ex-CEO and business mentor, and welcome to our podcast, High Frequency Fridays. As you know, we're on a mission to help businesses survive and thrive, but with the ultimate aim of having people create a business that successfully runs whether they turn up or not. And this week, we've gone a different level again, guys. We've got someone from the world of military, IT, security, it's uh, Toby Reese, founder of Cyber Savvy. Hi, Toby. Hey, Martin. Good to see you again. How are you doing? So, are you good? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Pleasure to see you again. I think the last time we Excellent. saw you was uh, probably halfway up a mountainside near Mount Everest. So, uh, good to see you again. Yeah, well, I was going to mention that later on. But so let's let's talk a little bit about for people who who may not know you. And again, we go out to like. 40 or 50 countries around the world. So there'd be a fair few that might not know you. Um, so Toby is a multi-innovation award winning ex-military specialist of some 20 years now. When you look at Toby, he really doesn't look like he's got that experience. Um, proven in high threat environments across the globe with information technology, telecommunications, intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance and special operation groups. Quite all very, And I do know I've had lots of conversations with um, Toby. There's a lot of what we we could talk about we're not allowed to um so we just have to make sure we bring out the experiences but as a consultant and advisor to metropolitan police services uh, national crime intelligence agencies cabinet offices and her majesty's parliamentary officials toby has supported a range of clients within retail scientific and administrative services media financial institutions companies like you know barclays boeing bbc National Savings Investments, where he's, he's actually served as Chief Security Officer. So I've been massively lucky to spend probably more time with Toby outside the UK than in it, when we've done treks across Peru and the Himalayas um, with Toby and, and Hannah. So you can imagine we've got to know each other pretty well in some quite hair-raising environments. So I'm really, really chuffed that uh, Toby's here today to, to share some amazing things that he knows and and what he's done as well. So before we start, Toby, is there anything else you wanted me to add on that? Uh, no, I think I'm um, very flattered, Martin. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> you captured it succinctly. So yeah, thank you. It's, it's always quite interesting when someone else plays back what we've done to realise, and this is something for businesses as well, sometimes, especially um, British English businesses, we tend to underplay what we've done and not celebrate. But yeah, pretty much everyone we talk to at this level is an absolute world-class expert and you are no exception to that mister. So let's get into it. Yeah. We talk about our scale model and just for new listeners or reminders, uh, S is for setup, C is congruence, which is alignment, A is alerts, alarms, L is lessons learned, and then E is how you extract yourself from an environment where you can do what you want and the business carries on. So I know you've, you've recently been setting up a new venture. So knowing what you know about your, all your background and all your history and so on, and about running a business, if you were setting up a business, let's say tomorrow or in the next few weeks, what would you do first? Um, so I, I'm a big man of uh, strategy planning um, before you look at implementation and execution. Um, so for me, it's understanding what you're trying to sell uh, or, or what service you're trying to render, the market okay. that you're trying to affect, obviously who your end user is and what they need. Um, equally, nice. helping them understand your products and your service as well, because 
you know, you can't automatically assume that they're going to understand exactly what it is and what problem it solves. So I think yep. it's really that question analysis of identifying what the problem is and what the issue is that you're trying to solve and how your product can do that best. Perfect. So actually we, we can, because I say you, you, you set up your business in the last year. So, so you'd have gone through this exercise. So why did you set up Cyber Savvy? Um, so I think I want to uh, set, or I, I decided to set a business that would challenge the norm. Um, okay. I've operated in corporate consultancies um, and I've operated in, in kind of large businesses where um, the product really was the offering, but actually it wasn't particularly well implemented or it didn't actually scratch the itch the business had. So for okay. me, it was setting up a real product, not just because we'd spend something like 10 million pounds in R&D, go to your client list and sell it, but actually address the concerns within the industry in general. Um, and equally, some of the miscommunications that the industry of cybersecurity has done for so many businesses, okay. um, to the point where I think it's alienated a large portion of the marketplace that thinks it's not applicable to them. My IT guy does it. It's a technical project, project or technical program. Um, and so really it's dispel that and say it's actually it's a business sport. Um, it's about managing your business risk. Um, cybersecurity isn't technical and it's not just for those large businesses or large corporate blue chips. It, it's for those small, medium businesses that have worked 10, 20, 30 years and are now operating in a different threat environment um, yeah. to what they ever have. Um, and so really it's kind of shaping and, and supporting leaders and their views of business, how business is conducted and how to do it safely in the environment they're now working. So I think it's safe to say, and, and, and you use the word cyber and, and savvy. So, so I think it's, it's safe to say, to say that any business of any size now is at risk through their, just the way the business runs through technology, through people, through anything for people to do things that they may not want it to do. And, you know, I definitely, before speaking to you, because obviously when we, we've been in um, various conversations before, before you were doing this as a business, and I, you know, I think I said to you at the time, hey, you know, you should be doing this as a business because it's, it's something most small businesses don't realise they need. Uh, I did a bit of research before talking to you about what, what this is about, and I spoke to a few companies and just said, have you had any anything that you know has happened in an untoward basis in your business that you that you could have potentially prevented? Do you know, most of them said yes, uh, and I, I thought, you know, I wonder if that's because they don't know how to pigeonhole what you do, so they don't think about it in in the same way as you would. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's the way that um, that this is sold traditionally. Um, it's sold as a technical concern that, you know, yeah. business owners, directors, senior managers couldn't possibly comprehend, you know, effectively get the IT guy to deal with it. Um, but you can't offshore risk. If you're the business owner, you own the risk. You yes. can, you know, treatment of it, you know, treat, transfer, tolerate, terminate. You can always just transfer the risk out to an insurance policy or just mm -hmm. issue out to the IT team. And equally, um, it, it, it's... For many reasons, it's why large businesses kind of promote cybersecurity as this really technical aspect that you need to address, so on and so forth, and make it so almost difficult to understand that it alienates the board that they just get somebody else to deal with it. Um, right. But actually, it's not a technical problem. It's people, process, and technology. 
Um, right. If like 20% of it is probably technical, but a huge amount of it is about people and about process. Um, and you've got boards of directors that, you know, may not necessarily understand it, but they need to have somebody in the business that does understand it. And they equally need to own it. They need to own it at the board level. It's, um, it's definitely a C-suite level activity. It's not yeah. something that should be kind of devolved down within your business because, you know, you look at the impact of, of some of these data breaches and, and you know, um, loss of assets or uh, effectively denying a, a company access. You know, for example, we're speaking on Zoom today. If you denied the ability for people to use that medium, the impact to Zoom is huge. It's significant. Yes. So it, it's kind of, if you deny a service or a business an opportunity to operate in the manner which it's intended to operate, um, it's got significant reputational damage. And that's something that boards of directors, senior management teams and business owners need to be really alive to in this day and age. And, and that, like you said, that, that doesn't just involve technology, like, you know, um, you know, hacking into our systems or trying to transfer money about or anything else. It involves, you know, even for a small business while they've got two or three staff, it involves the rigor of how those staff do things in their processes to protect the business from just leaving information around or passwords or anything that could, like you say, have an adverse effect to that company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in my previous life working in the military environment and, and working with um, sensitive organizations, sensitive government organizations, um, it was often the case, uh, and I think Bruce Schneier, uh, Schneier who's a, a, a well-known author of cybersecurity, once said, um, you know, uh, amateurs attack systems, professionals attack people. Um, mm -hmm. People nice. are the, the weakest. Yeah, it's a fantastic quote, and it's, it, it's absolutely on point. People are the weakest link um, or the greatest defense to a business. Um, equally, when you look at technology, how are we configuring technology to support the business aim or intent? Um, yeah. ultimately that's an individual that's doing that if they've not done that to the correct standard the standard that's been assessed and risk assessed by the business it's appropriate to the business need then effectively it'll be misconfigured if it's misconfigured yeah there's obviously a, a back door there there's an opportunity for exploitation and that's where a large number of businesses being caught out yeah we used to have um and i don't know if it comes under the cyber savvy type thing but again it's you yeah we're talking about setup again just to remind our listeners but you know, Toby, what he's done with this business is identified there's a huge market of people that don't know because they think this is a big corporate, you know, with like 100 million pound company issue that don't understand that this is a problem. So part of the setup is actually what problem are we solving? And actually even do people understand they've got a problem? So I think that's a really good way of looking at the, the, the setup. And, and when I joined i actually did join the corporate world but one of the things i identify quite quickly on is you know, if our you know, if our computer system went down and we didn't have a payroll for example or we we just couldn't contact people you know we, we had this thing called a grab bag uh, and it was quite a clever little system and the grab bag just had a printout it was you know it was in a special bag no one knew exactly but it was near an exit exit uh, of a business and it just had a few things in there like a it was a disc of some names and people on it, all password protected. Uh, it, you know, it had various things in it, keys and stuff like that, telephone numbers, stuff like that. So if the building was on fire or anything else happened, we just grabbed the bag and run. And then we then could carry on running our business. And, and someone explained that to me. And I just thought, why, and, you know, why doesn't every business have that? Because it's that continuity of running that, 
that that little thought process in advance could have saved us hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds worth of downtime, because we just thought about the frailty of our systems. Yeah, and it's a and it's intrinsic po- uh, an important point um, and a component within cybersecurity. So what mm. you just discussed there uh, is something that is taken from the military. All of the security terms and uh, the way we employ and shape security in our businesses actually originated from the military at some point in time. Okay. Um, so it, it's a natural progression from people from the military to go into security. Cybersecurity right. is slightly different uh, than traditional security measures. But what you discussed there is effectively what we used to call a battle box. Um, okay. Yeah, and actually it, it relates to um, the business function of business continuity and disaster recovery. Yes. So if we put this in context of cybersecurity, if you consider it's not a case of if you're going to be breached or hit or attacked or, or whatever, it's a case of when. when. So it's yeah. about ensuring that the response is appropriate, that it encapsulates and recognizes the real business assets that you've got and that effectively your timelines for, for when that incident is realized to actually get him back online, systems reserve, uh, resuming normal, normal service, et cetera. Um, we're really cutting down those times. So the recovery time objectives, the recovery point objectives, all of these key things. And I think one of the biggest issues that we've got on, in this day and age is that despite the technological reliance that we have and, and, and the way in which we're operating now, um, so many of these business continuity systems are still focused on traditional threats like fire, yeah floods um the cybersecurity aspect is the piece that needs to go into that and really shape the way that systems and services are delivered yeah well we're talking um at a time where they they, they, they call it the vaca um uh, world which is a volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous world we live in it's a, a new phrase that's been going around for a few years now actually but uh, and we're living in a time where obviously there's lots of happening in Europe, which isn't very nice and all sorts of things going on. But interestingly enough, the biggest potential threat to uh, Russia and he, the, the, the leadership is from independent hackers called Anonymous that can go and do all sorts of things with their systems that they're missiles and that can't even touch. Uh, and, it, you know, it, when you look at the world nowadays, because we've moved from such a uh, a pragmatic pay, pen and paper world. And for some, some people listen to this, they go, well, they, we've never been in that world. But, you know, m- me being in my 50s, yes, we have been in that world, to, to now where pretty much everything, you know, my, my kids would panic if the internet was down. Um, they, they would not be able to cope. And, and we try and not do that by playing chess and doing other things. But this is the modern world. And so we have to understand the, the mix of the two, the people and the technology and how we protect everything from a, from a business from that. Yeah, absolutely. Martin, there's um, quite a harrowing case I know of a, a small, medium business owner uh, who operates a business, 50 or so employees. Um, they they thought cybersecurity wasn't something that was applicable to them. Um, yeah. And they were breached for three million pounds. Um, <sighs> the good news uh, for that business is they recovered 700,000 um, pounds. And for context, it was a plant hire company. It, it hires out diggers, tractors, yeah. uh, and machinery. Um, so I think that isolated incident um, does clearly demonstrate that regardless of what sector you operate, if you're operating 
uh, with web facing and, and, and kind of telecommunication system services and reliant on computers for um, automating processes within the business, you really need to consider your cybersecurity posture um, and not just think of it as an IT aspect. Yes. Um, because IT, as I say, is only that 20%. Um, it's people and process that underpin that. Yeah, I think the, the, the IT bit. So one of our, our clients, again, I won't name them and I'll change the figures slightly, but um, their business is, is in, in oh, I actually won't even know what the business does, but they basically had a, a, a bookkeeper, a financial person that got an email from one of the owners saying, oh, they need to pay a bill. Let's say it was £10,000. It wasn't, but let's say it was. Uh, £10,000 ASAP to this supplier. Sorry, I haven't let you know, but I can't get this done without it. And um, they then even went into the bank account, typed in the bank details. It came up with a different name on the details, but they still pressed the button and lost all the money. And again, that actually isn't anything down to technology because in fact, the banks are saying, you authorise that process. You've actually, you know, you've done, there's been no fraud at all because you've done that. This was all down to the human understanding of when do I take an instruction? What do I need to do to check it? How can I validate it? All to do with the human aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's the, the one thing that is the real weakness is we say, um, you know, behaviors, uh, human behaviors are, are kind of ingrained in this by our environments and, and our sort of lessons learned to date. Um, uh, and these are the, always the things that we would target because they're the most likely to fail and equally there's common characteristics as to where they will fail. So, um, yeah, absolutely. People are the weakest link. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Okay. So we, we sort of set it up and we, we've, we've got our problem and we're, we're solving a big problem for our customer base. And then how do you then, you know, the congruence side of it, how do you get the, the you know, let's take, take it from a, you know, either from a military aspect or a cyber security aspect or something like that. But what you've mentioned people and technology and so on. But how do you start to align everything that says, right, we're a business, we need to be cyber savvy. I love the brand, it's brilliant. We need to be cyber savvy. How do we align ourselves? What sort of things do we need to do? So I think the first piece is strategic alignment. Um, and, you know, the, the first uh, aspect of your scale piece being strategy and how we're defining uh, what the strategy is so yeah if we I, I blend some of the military experiences terms um processes etc with mm -hmm. uh, more civilian um a, a more common understanding uh, a, a language that we all know um but if we look at strategies almost the intent of what we intend to do um mm -hmm. this is where we're placing our vision our objectives etc into that strategy um that, that's great, but what we need to do is support that with a plan. So okay. if strategy is what we intend to do. The plan should be how we intend to do it. Um, nice. In the military, there would be what was called a seven-question combat estimate, um, and I'd implore any of your listeners to go and have a look at it. Um, it it's how we deal with a problem. It's how we deal with conflict. Uh, the seven-question estimate would start with, what is the enemy doing and why? Question two would be, okay. what have I been told to do and why? Um, what effects do I want to have on the enemy and what direction must I give to develop my plan? Where can I best accomplish each action or effect? Um, the resources, when or where the actions take place in terms of sequencing and what control measures they need to improve or impose. Um, nice. That was a combat estimate. And as I say, please do look it up. Um, it, it's relevant mm. to business. Um, ultimately, the first and second question are about understanding situational awareness and ensuring that 
you know what you know, um, what issues you need to plan to address. Um, I think Donald Rumsfeld once came out with uh, the known knowns, the known unknowns, and yes. the unknowns. Um, and I think many people thought he was um, talking gibberish, but there was so much sense to what he said. Um, cybersecurity threats are akin to this. There are threats out there that we know about. We know we know them. They're generally patches in the te technological space. Um, yeah. Known unknowns might be things that we know that there's an absence that we need to address, but we don't really know how to do it just yet. And then the yeah. unknowns are the bits that we don't know about, we haven't observed, and we have no defense for them. Um, the remaining questions kind of from that seven question estimate are all about adequate control procedures that we put in place. So we ensure that that plan, when we implement it or when we action it, it can be managed at the right level of resources to support it uh, and effectively enabling the plan to be achieved aligned to our strategy. So when mm -hmm. we talk about strategy, we have to talk about plan. Uh, we work with many different businesses that will have a high level strategy, but actually there's no plan on how they're actually gonna tool that. So right. taking that, that strategy, it's supporting it with a plan and then ensuring equally that it's fit for all business levels. Mm -hmm. We equated those seven combat estimate questions to business. We might be saying question one, instead of what are the enemy doing and why, we might be saying what are our competitors and clients doing and why. Nice. Yeah. Question two, um, you know, why have I been instructed to do my business plan or manage it for my managers and why? Question three might be what effects, you know, these can be described as outcomes for the specific tasks. Um, but what effects do I want to have on a competition and or my client? And how do I communicate these clearly and manage through to completion? Um, Love it. When we talk about question four in the military context, where we're looking at where can I best accomplish uh, each action or effect, we might be saying where and how can I best accomplish each outcome? Um, yeah. that, will, that will then draw the resource and requirements. Um, and then you can equally understand where and when the action needs to take place in the wider sequence of alternate business actions. Um, finally, governance is critical. Governance, risk management and compliance. What level of, of governance do we need to impose this plan to, to see this through fruition? Um, yeah. it, it's a key piece. We can talk about critical success factors, key performance indicators. We can Which we'll come about, on to in a minute, actually, yeah. Yeah, and, and these are all things that we do in a military process. Um, ultimately, in the military, uh, there was also another term that was widely banded around, that no plan survives first contact. That plan mm -hmm. is subject to change. Um, and if you look at um, the terrible atrocities that are going on in Ukraine at the moment, um, all of these external factors we cannot control. We need to recognise no. that we can control within our business environment and those that our business environment will be subjected to uh, the external factors. Um, if people haven't heard of the tool PESTLE or PESLAM, mm -hmm. please do look it up, but polit political, environmental, sociological, technical, technological, legal, environmental, all of these things will affect the way your business operates. Um, and equally, um, whilst no plan survives first contact, um, we do need to equally recognise that not all risks are bad. When you look at yes. covid and how COVID impacted so many people in the way they were operating their business. They were winners and losers in COVID. Some people mm -hmm. saw exponential growth that they hadn't predicted. It wasn't in their strategy and they hadn't planned for it. Um, but actually being aware to what's going on, being alive to the situation, and then shaping your products and services, uh, you can only do so if your situational awareness is, is established. Love it. Yeah, I think, I think so 
Yeah, what you said there in, in a really, and I love the military thing, but we'll try and find a link to that and put it in the, the podcast so people can see that. And it's absolutely right, because the only way you can align a business to get the journey started is if you sort of know where you're going and you've got some key controls and measures en route. Now, yeah, we, we did a little um, uh, a little trek, uh, nearly killed me, but uh, we did a trek to um, base camp together. And uh, part of that journey we had we went further than base camp. We went up again to this this other um, base camp called Kalpatar, and and I think the um, the Sherpas underestimated some of our abilities to be able to climb certain things because they didn't take us up a trekking path. They took us across some quite big drops, didn't they? And quite big rocks. And actually, you as one of the individuals who understands these models really well, you knew we had to get over to the other side. That was your the sort of the setup. We got to get there, but I've got like, including myself, I've got quite a few people and you weren't the, the leader of the group. Uh, you were sort of supporting and helping with all your experience. But you said, I know we got to get to the other side, but I also understand I've got some people who are a bit nervous about doing that. It's getting late, it's getting cold. We're not lost, but we're in a bit of a difficult situation. So you sort of aligned everything of your experience. You, you'd never been on that trail before. You didn't know what was around the corner really but you looked at the, the evaluation of everything around you and went, right, this is what we've got to do. Here's a plan. <laughs> and I remember you sort of like across two big rocks with your legs on one leg on one side and one on the other with a big drop down below it, helping us all jump across it by grabbing us literally and throwing us across it. And so, so you know, this alignment thing is, is it works in business, it works in trekking, it works in military, it works everywhere. But what you said at the beginning is really important. If you don't have the sort of plan of what you're trying to achieve, it's pretty much impossible to align everything to it in the first place. Yeah, you can you can risk assess things um, all day long. You can define your plan, but you know you have cataclysmic events that are just unforeseen that you can't plan for. Yeah. Um, and so it's the ability to to remain fluid and to adapt to the situation, not be default set on what your defined plan was but just assess the new factors um yes you know as leadership you have to deliver it with confidence um you have to uh establish trust with the people you're working with uh, and you have to lead by example um and that's that's things that are, you know are kind of drummed into you in the military context um which are just as relevant and applicable in the business context and i know that you're a huge advocate for leadership within business um, mm. it's something that I think is lacking. So I do agree that, you know, I've, I've heard assertions that, um, you know, leaders step forward. Cybersecurity is one of those problems at this moment in time um, where you have, uh, I think it was a, an author, Prensky, uh, who assessed that there were digital natives and there were digital immigrants in this day and age, um, right. predicated on the age and the environment in which you grew up. We've, we've just gone through the largest, you know, industrial revolution of our genre and it was technology um there are people out there that are uncomfortable with technology they're uncomfortable yes. with cyber security and i think the military term was be comfortable with uncomfortable um you're not expected you might be a business owner business leader but you're not expected to know all aspects uh, across the business panacea so no. be comfortable with what you know be equally comfortable and, and truthful with what you don't know and you know ultimately embrace what you what you need to understand for the benefit of your business so there are a large number of directors out there that are not taking ownership for cybersecurity within the business 
um, and they need to step forward and they need to lead on that. Perfect. Love it. And it brings us, you said it earlier about, you know, you said um, critical success factors, you said KPIs, you know, part of our scale model is as you're on your journey, so you've got your setup, you know where you're going, you've aligned everything to get there, the strategy, the structure, the skill set, the, the systems, the people, everything, and you're now going on that journey, <laughs> like trekking to base camp in somewhere. What, what, what sort of um, measures do we need to put in place that says you know, things to maybe look out for? If you, if you were to turn around, you know, I'm a, a Luddard, I have no idea what cyber savvy is all about, security is about, yeah, just two or three things you should say, right, if you were just to answer these two or three questions, like mini survey or something, this would tell you how much you needed it and how much you're aware of it or how much you had no idea, like you didn't know anything about it. Is there anything you could help our listeners with on that? So I think the key thing is to understand what the risk appetite is. Okay. Um, the appetite for risk and dependent on what business model you're operating uh, it, it's different. Everybody has a different requirements or a different product or a different system or different service or a different approach yeah. to that market. Um, if you were, for example, operating in a highly innovative organization with a highly innovative product, you need to exercise risk. You need to break yeah. a few legs. Now, if you are going to exercise risk because you are truly innovative, then you are going to need to put the controls in place to ensure that when you do fail, you fail quickly, you fail okay. safely, and then you recover quickly. Um, a large mm -hmm. number of organizations, uh, the, the military, for example, uh, are more risk averse. We're talking about loss of life. It's catastrophic. Yes. Um, there can be little gamble on this. You need to be risk averse, operate to a posture of risk averse, take little risk, and ensure that mm -hmm. you inform every decision uh, that you make with actionable intelligence. So nice. you've got to understand your capacity for risk. You have to understand what your tolerance for risk and your desire for risk. Um, if we were to talk about, as I say, that innovative organization, you need to fail, you need to fail fast. But so many organizations we've worked with that wear the term innovation as a kind of a badge of courage or, or as a yeah. marketing strategy, but they're not actually innovative. They can consume the risks of failure. So how can you innovate? Um, okay. And if you are in an organization that isn't innovating, then you will lose ground to your competitors. I think we look yeah, at Kodak. Absolutely. Kodak was a household name that was synonymous with cameras uh, many years yeah. ago. How many cameras are Kodak producing now? Mm. And how many That's people are using cameras for taking photos? The yeah, market exactly. shifted to smartphones um, and yeah. many kept pace with that. Uh, Kodak could be considered in many respects a casualty. Oh, well, they are. And actually, one of, my, one of my closest friends is actually a senior director at that business in the UK. And it's, it's, a, it's a, sh a shadow of what it was because of the, 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 the lack of understanding of the measures of what's going on. It's all very well having an increasing share of the market, but if that market is decreasing, then you've got an increase in share of something that isn't going to be there. I remember I stood in a, a business review years and oh, 20 years ago, and uh, someone given me a really good risk grid, which um, I'll explain for our listeners. And they just said, for, for your business, anywhere in your business, what you got to identify is uh, a risk on two things, um, likely to happen and yeah. size of impact. And you do it in these, one of these classic four-way grids. So you know, most likely to happen, biggest impact, top right, 
you've got to mitigate that every day of the week because if it's most likely to happen and it's biggest impact you've got to have a plan for that i, I used to call it in 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 case of emergency break glass um yeah. least likely to, to happen least impact well don't really worry about it and then there's anything in between the the bit uh, and we were encouraged uh, and that was a you know a corporate it was a plc but i've done it with all my clients pretty much since we're encouraged at a certain point in your business development is start looking at you know people and systems and processes and technology and put them all into this risk grid and anything that appears top right do something about <laughs> have a backup plan have a business continuity disaster recovery you know it could be any it could, it could be your, your senior person hands their notice in you know that's a you know likely to happen what's the risk have you got the process in place so that type of thing is really helpful and it's a really good measure to see how how your company is structured without you there because actually it can run and do much pretty much everything yeah. if all those risks are identified with some kind of break class in case of emergency measures at the end of it yeah absolutely um and and they still operate three and five by five matrices exactly for this um yeah exactly i would say on that is there's also the concern that you need to look at with those amber risks and the aggregation of them risks yes. change over time those amber risks could equally present themselves as red risks that you really need to take yeah. action immediately um or yeah. equally the aggregation of multiple ambers could be a red as well so yeah. risk drives all of our business decision making and risk should inform decision making if we're not assessing risk identifying it analyzing it and evaluating it then we are effectively assuming the risk we're, we're taking the risk but we've just not understood the risk we've not comprehended yeah. the impact to our business and so even if you decide not to treat the risk, at least assess the risk and understand the risk that you're holding. Perfect, perfect. So I know we've only got a few minutes left, so I need to talk about two more topics, really. Um, and they lead to each other. So one is about, you know, and, and again, the army is a classic one, about learning lessons. You know, when you can be taught everything on a training ground or in a classroom or in a drill, but when you're in the battlefield as such the field of battle you've got to be able to think on your feet you've got to be able to look at what like you said earlier look at your surroundings and learn lessons so i'll be interested to hear what you think about how businesses can incorporate you know we made a mistake but we'll learn from it rather than we'll just keep doing the same thing over and over again which is what generally they do and then how that how that leads to leadership and, and how that how a leader can create a business that self-learns if that makes sense Absolutely. Um, huge believer in culture. We, we, we take, when you look at the military context um, and you look at how soldiers become recruits um, mm -hmm. from a, all different parts of the world, different societies, backgrounds, upbringings, educations, etc. we need to establish a baseline. Um, yeah. So that's why we have military training that would take a soldier or take an individual from society, uh, put them through a rigorous training um, programme, and then at the end, we've got a baseline. That's the yeah. minimum operating standard that everybody works to. So Love when it. we take an individual into a business, uh, we talk about JMLs, joiners, movers, leavers. We need to have a process in place for how we're going to get this individual up to speed, get them yes. to sing our song sheet, aligned to our culture. Um, there's some great models out there that look at um, strategy, staff, skills, etc., like McKinsey and the 7S philosophy, which mm -hmm. I think is just such a wonderful, simple and easy to employ 
um, process within business, but you've got to establish that baseline. You equally need to set what the culture is in terms of accepted behavior. Um, mm-hmm. And accepted behavior is that piece when fused with culture that actually the leader doesn't always need to be there. The no. leader can be absent, but actually it's what's accepted that you don't need the boss to pick somebody up for it because the teammates will be picking them up for it. Absolutely um, right. Every opportunity for failure, we used to have after action reviews. So if you have had something that hasn't happened as, as you've expected it to, um, analyze it. You know, you need you need an appropriate culture there that allows you to ask robust questions, um, get granular understanding of what went wrong and how it went wrong, how it manifested in the business. If somebody hasn't operated to the appropriate process, there's a failing. Okay. Yes. When that is the case, then there's an administrative action that needs to take place for that employee. If it's yeah. that they operated to the process and the process was inappropriate, you reform the process. So I think in the cyber world, we kind of suggest if at first you don't succeed, call it version one and start again. Um, <laughs> but, but it's effectively, you know, you, these, these things are cyclical. Process is cyclical. Yeah. You've established the appropriate policy, the standards, the guidelines, the processes and the procedures that are applicable to that business that all operate and align to the business strategy and the business plan then it's clear to see where the failings are as and when they materialize. It's the culture that allows that to be clearly understood and communicated. Um, yeah, and it really is about establishing those communication channels within businesses. If you're working in a large organization, you know, look at matrix organization models as well. So we can pull people into specific projects and specific yeah. programs. Um, but you've got to set the architecture of your business there from the outset, people, process and technology. Um, breaking down silos uh, and establishing culture are, are crucial for all of this. Um, and equally plan yeah. for failure because we don't always get it right. Um, when we speak with businesses and we talk about cybersecurity posture, you know, let's talk about your IT systems. So many people outsource their IT to third parties, um, which third party resourcing is, for me, is, is essential to modern business. Um, mm-hmm. Work out what you want to keep inside, work out what you want to keep outside. But when you look at the criticality of business systems and services um, for third parties and the access that you provide them, who's validating what they are doing? So you need exactly, to have yeah. suppliers. Um, and yeah. if you look at, uh, there was a time I was working uh, with national level organizations and we were looking at a case study. People were talking about how eBay had been breached. Well, yeah. it's away my first instance is um, what's happening with PayPal. Um, and for the simple reason is there's a trust boundary there between eBay and PayPal. Uh, yeah. And you wouldn't believe the amount of people within the, the business that were, were kind of consumed with what was going on within eBay, but actually look at their, their suppliers, look at what, you know, what's going on with them. Um, and actually they were trying to exploit the trust boundary between eBay and PayPal. Um, right. In the same way that uh, Target was breached in America, one of the largest breaches on record when it happened, um, it was actually breached not through Target, but but through a third-party supplier, heat and ventilation yeah. and air conditioning supplier. So wow. um, you need to understand the lessons quickly. You need to build in the processes from from learning from those lessons, and put in the appropriate controls in place to ensure they don't happen again. Be it policy, be it through um, people, be it through the process, be it through technology. Um, but ultimately, don't situate the estimate was another military term we would use where you're almost solutioneering. What's the problem? Yeah. 
looking at the options that, that you can use to address that problem, um, looking at you know cost benefit analysis and and modeling that's actually going to be the most effective way uh, that, that addresses that issue. So yeah, love it. Uh, and I think have a failure you know, for, for the, the mechanisms to inform failure. Yeah, and, and I think the key thing about the, you know the, 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 the lessons learned, as you said, there is actually having having an entry level which which puts everybody at the same level. When I used to do corporate training, um, we made sure that everybody in the room, whether they were at, you know high level, low, they were at the same level of knowledge. Some might be higher, but nobody was lower. And then we could build on that. But until we got to that baseline, as you said, it's very, very difficult to do that because you're trying to satisfy everyone. We'll actually build from a position of strength. So we've, we've pretty much come to the end of our chat, actually run over a little bit as well. So, um, so if people wanted to contact you and talk about you know, some of the things you've spoken about, the, the idea of cybersecurity and cyber, how cyber savvy can help them, how would they do that? Um, the website is cybersavvybusiness.com. Um, nice. More than happy okay. for them to direct us uh, or, or communicate to us at toby at cybersavvybusiness.com okay. or hannah at cybersavvybusiness.com. Um, Perfect. We'll put those in the bottom of our, um, when we send this out, we'll put that, make sure that they're in the bottom so people have got those anyway. So they're great. Absolutely. So all leads me to say, sir, is thank you so, so much for uh, giving us some experience from a cybersecurity uh, a people security basis, a, you know, intelligence side of it, military side of it. I've learned loads and I know our listeners will as well. So, uh, you know, thank you once again and uh, we will catch up very soon. Absolutely. And Martin, if I could just say one final thing. Um, mm. Cybersecurity is just another business risk. I'm the, the biggest yeah. advocate of cybersecurity, but it is simply just another business risk. In the same way that people conduct uh, slips, trips and falls assessments for health and safety, they should nice. be considering the cybersecurity of their business. Um, but listen, we're here to educate. We're here to support. We're trying to make it affordable, adaptable, applicable to their business. So um, don't hesitate to get in touch. Uh, and sure thank will. you for, for, for inviting me today, Martin. All right, mate. It's been you. an absolute pleasure. Uh, I love to Hannah on that. And we will see you very, very soon. Thank you very much. And to you and All your right, family. God bless you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. -bye. Cheers. Bye.